friends. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Fort Worth Roots. This is a podcast for Fort Worthians who love our city and want stories from our community's creators. You love Fort Worth? You want to know what's happening in your backyard? Then this podcast was made for you. You can find Fort Worth Roots podcast on YouTube and all the other podcast players on social media. We are just simply Fort Worth Roots. Big shout out to all of our friends across the globe that are tuning into Fort Worth Roots. No matter where you are, you show up on our interactive map and we can see exactly where you are when you listen to these things. And if you've streamed even one episode of Fort Worth Roots, thank you because it it helps our analytics, makes our show stronger, and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Last week, we even had people tuning in from Budapest and uh, Northern Scotland, I believe. Dunfermline. Dunfermline. I said it right. I know I did. But no matter where you are, thank you for listening. Um, every time you stream an episode, it, it helps our show. Shout out to our friends at Squad STX Boys Camping. All boys ages 11 through 16, 100% outdoor. Overnight camping, hiking, wilderness skills, land navigation, laser tag missions. This is awesome. They do it down there next to uh, Glen Rose and Dinosaur Valley. It's supposed to be an alternative to Boy Scouts. Here's their mission statement. Squad STX is an overnight primitive camping, hiking, orienteering, laser tag course for boys designed by the U.S. Army Infantry Officers as an alternative to Boy Scouts and traditional summer camp. We develop strong leadership skills through squad competitions, time-tested military training methodologies, and situational training exercises. Now, these guys are not sponsors. This is just something that we did, an initiative we took. We had this block of time at the front end of the episode. I said, why don't we reach out to some veteran businesses uh, in our area and see if they like us to talk about them and dustin from squad stx boys camping was the first one to get back to me i was thinking about this the other day i've read off that uh, little mission statement of theirs about eight times now i think i don't know i'm not counting but and as much as you want to score points with the kid this is a great way to score points with mom flowers are nice fancy dinner is probably good too maybe a night out away from the kids is great but uh where diamonds are the way to a woman's heart before you get married kids kids are where it's at that's the way to the woman's heart after you've got kids the most effective use of your time and money if you're trying to impress mama is going to be doing something like this with the kiddos taking them out to squad stx enjoying one of these trips if you're looking for a great way to connect with your kid squad stx if you're looking for a great way to rack up some major brownie points with mama squad stx go check them out it's squadstx.com. easy to find they've got two different packages to choose from and don't don't wait don't say you're going to do this and then look it up later because there's a finite number of spots that they have here you need to call and get your spot ready today it is down in dinosaur valley state park you can go to squad stx to get all these details but boy summer camp is a five-day four-night dealio wednesday through sunday june 8th through the 12th june 22nd through the 26th and july 6th through the 10th that's boy summer camp five days four nights and then you got the father and son camp three days two nights friday through sunday may 6th through the 8th and october 14th through the 16th don't put it off don't wait don't say i'll do it later because you won't you'll forget do it now squadscx.com river oaks spring fest car show saturday april 30th uh held at the beautiful camp carter address on that is 6200 sand springs road fort worth texas 
River Oaks, if you don't know where River Oaks is, it is uh, right next door to the military base, JRB Carswell. Easy to find. Anyway, I'll have the address in the show notes so you can find it. And uh, you can find them on Facebook, too. They have a Facebook page, River Oaks Springfest Car Show. They're going to have vendors and a pop-up market, games and events, uh, benefiting the friends of the River Oaks Animal Shelter and YMCA Camp Carter. This is a free event. You don't have to pay a dime. It's going to be awesome. Our discussion today takes us into some subjects that we generally try to keep from highlighting. Things like my time in the Army, my opinions, coronavirus, stuff that, let's be honest, we're tired of hearing about it or we don't want to hear about it at all. Um, I've stated many times on the show that we don't do anything political here. It's just not what we're about. We don't talk so much about politics today as we do just current events, government, things like that. But it does fringe on politics. And as polarized as everybody is about every single topic that comes up, it's impossible to totally steer away from that stuff. And I probably need to relax my grip on that a little bit. I'll maintain that we are never going to uh, set out to have a political conversation. I will continue to keep the show from becoming a political hellscape of conversation. It's going to come up. So anyway, with that being said, I trimmed it down a little bit like I always do with these episodes that go long, but a great conversation. And I can't wait to have this guest back on. If you listened to last week's episode, then you've already met today's guest. He's the owner of Squad STX and guitarist for Blue Light 100s. Please give it up for today's guest, Dustin Stewart, and let's start the show. So I got my intro and outro music on there on a separate thing. These are ones that I've loaded up. And I actually got this. You ever heard of a band called Blue October? Yeah. So the uh, the basis for Blue October, Matt Noveski, I sat down with him one day, and I played the the outro music that goes with the machine. So like it came preloaded with some shit. And so at the end of the episode, I'm like, all right, thanks, Fort Worth Roots. We'll see you next week. And I hit it, and he's listening to it, and he's just kind of like kind of bobbing his head a little bit. And he goes, where did you get this? And I go, oh, it came with the machine. He's like... You know, I I've got some music if you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so I after I was like shit, yeah, man. So he gave me a, a track from his band. I I took it and I I just kind of. How do you know these guys? The Blue October. Um. So a friend of mine had a Blue October uh, podcast, and he actually got them in front of the mic and interviewed a few of them. And There's a podcast about Blue October. Wow. Yeah, highly specific. So yeah, I knew them from College Station. They would play down there. I don't think I ever saw them, but I downloaded the music from just seeing their name over College Station. Yeah. They were pretty hot back when I was going through high school, um, and they've still got a huge following, but you know, it, they're not on the radio anymore. Not any station I listen to, so I don't no, know. No, I can't say it. I can't say I have, no. You're the first person I've heard him talk about Blue October in a while. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and still, does he tour? Or yeah, yeah, they just got off tour. I think they finished up their tour kind of late January. They had a whole shit show, ton though, of problems. You can, you can, even if you have like a small percentage of the people, there's so many people out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and uh, a lot of the artists that I bring on here, we talk about it all the time. You don't have to be a touring band to to make a living off of it, you know? No, yeah, no. We've got a lot of artists that come in here, and they do just fine. They're not uh, nationally known or there's anything There's a lot like of that, ways but, to distribute your art, yeah. so to speak, I think. Um, that band, The Refreshments, that Jake mentioned and I last time, I mean, I think what pays the bills for the main guy to this day is still like that 
getting King of the Hill to do their song, you know, that one show. <laughs> yeah. Getting, is it, or, or a mo- you know, landing in a cool movie or something like that. But right. that, that one, <laughs> that one little, it was really like a 30 second thing. The, the, is it the intro for King of the Hill? Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bell. You know those guys? Well, I know their music a lot just from Jake. Jake like knows a lot of their songs and cover them since and, and you know, he was singing a lot. We end up naturally playing a lot of those songs, so I got to know them. They're kind of this from the same area. Do you know um Gin Blossoms? I don't. The Gin Blossoms nineties band. Mm. From Temple, Arizona or T- Tempe, Arizona. Tempe. That kind of scene, yeah. But what'd you do in the army? You were saying so So I started off uh in artillery, thirteen Mike. Um I walked into a recruiter's office at like 18 and they were like, so what do you want to do? I was like, I want to kick down doors. Stupid kid. They're like, well, you know, we're in Iraq right blow now. Them up instead with artillery. <laughs> They're like any kind of combat arm jobs. So, uh, they showed me what they had. My ASVAB score came back high and I could have done anything I wanted to, but I chose artillery 13, Mike MLRS. So, okay. Did that. Never got to do my job outside of training environment. Okay. And then they uh, they sent us over there. I was at my first active unit for is thir- uh, thirteen. You said thirteen, Mike. That's literally just art- artillerymen. Like is that like sort of eleven Bravo? I, I mean, yeah, it's just artillerymen. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Well, so, I would the or is that a specific designator for uh, the MLRS? So uh, thirteen Mike covers the driver, the guy that handles the actual launcher, and then the the TC, the usually staff sergeant or above that's uh, got his head out the hatch. Gotcha. So those are all thirteen mics, and then you got your ammo guys. Um, that's a different uh, designation. I can't remember what that MOS is, but and so yeah. when did you go in? That was oh five, and uh, went through basic, and then within I think two months we were. Packing our bags, (laughs) and then we were truck drivers in in '05, and in and and we're in Iraq in '05. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Yeah. because yeah, see, I feel like I joined in '99 as a cadet, even though I didn't commission to '04, and then it was to like oh, very end. No, January of '06, we Mm -hmm. moved to '06. Yeah. Um, Well, whenever you got in, we weren't doing anything, you know, really. And then after nine well, eleven, yeah. we started spooling up for. Yeah, no. When I went as a cadet, half uh, mo- half my time as a cadet, it was like you know what are we going to do when you're done? And then nine uh, eleven happened, and it was like uh, <laughs> within a year, it was like I guess we're going to Iraq. Some new Even information then, like, has come to light, man. <laughs> new information has come to light. God dang, playing has crashed into the mountain. Yeah, not a great time. So I I did it out of basically desperation abilene texas you ever accidentally driven yeah. through there yeah a little bit. so one whole a whole lot going on and uh me and morgan my fiance we were counting up she read some article that said most people have had nine jobs by the time they're 36 and i'm like <laughs> i had 20 jobs before i turned 18 i think i was struggling trying to find something to do and then uh Army's a good the fix. The army was there, so yeah. 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 Okay, yeah, Roger. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great fix. Uh, no. Um, I've probably had about 15 jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Don't, But mostly shit jobs. High yeah, school, yeah. Like I said, for sure. college. And army was the first real job out of college. And then uh, strategy consulting after grad school, just kind of fumbling along. Other vets helping me, showing me how to get the job. Yeah. And then did my camp. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I think the... Uh, the rack stuff to me is interesting to me it's like this stuff it's it's a um the more you understand what 
our government is capable of doing. We just cut to the chase. The more you understand of the shit show that our government is capable of doing, yeah. the more you, you, you should naturally look at the stuff going on with the COVID like we're talking about and just like question all of it. And, you know, I think a lot of times if you speak anything remotely like that, people just want to write you off as some kind of Alex Jones crazy person. But to me, like you're crazy. If you don't understand this stuff, you think the government is not some fucking machine. So, you know, I think Alex Jones talks about, you know, a war for, for your uh, information and all this stuff from since 1999. I'm quoting stuff from, you know, he said that in 1999, this Waking Life movie out of Austin, Texas. You ever heard of that, Waking Life? I mean, I've seen a lot of Alex Jones it's stuff. Like, I might have seen clips of it. It's not even an Alex Jones thing. It's a movie. Oh, that's, okay. uh, um, Some dude, like the kid that was in Days of Confused other people that were in Saving Private Ryan, the guy, the Jew that gets gutted. There's mm-hmm. some, some, you know, fairly substantial actors in it. Um, but it's an Austin, Texas, weird, artsy movie. Mm-hmm. Very uh, car- half cartoon, half real. It's very weird. Send me um, a link. I want to see that. No, Al- and, Al- <laughs> and out of all people, Alex Jones is a partner, too. It's a bunch of weird, it's like an impressionistic movie, just segments of stuff. It's very weird. Totally Austin. It's him in 1999 driving around with a mega horn in Austin, Texas. You can see with the capital behind him. Talking about there's a war for, for, for your mind, you know, a war of information over your mind. Uh, we're not going to... We're not going to stand for it. You know, the 21st century should be an open century, more freedom and all this stuff. I guess what I'm getting at is that has been that has been portrayed as crazy to think that, to even talk that way. It's crazy. I just think anyone that spends any amount of time in the government doing anything substantial actually out there on the frontier of what the government's doing, if, if they did anything of, of substance, they can look at that. Or if you're, you don't even have to do that. You don't have to be in our shoes. You don't have to have been in the military. Just study this stuff. Open a book or read about what our government's done, what governments do, not just our government. And if you don't realize that most of it is insane and, and very destructive. Well, you're the crazy person. And there are plenty of people out there, been, you know, raising the flag. I use Alex Jones because it's a very extreme example. Oh, yeah. The guy's been fucking banned. I mean, he's been basically crucified for all this stuff. Yeah. Jesus Christ, you make the wrong inflammatory remark and they will just weasel their way in any way and get you off. Yeah. Um, but there's plenty of other people less controversial than him have been silenced for pointing this stuff out. It's like, and then you start talking about this stuff and it's like, why do, why do people care about the, pol- the politics? Because we're sort of talking about politics now. Um, and it's like, I hate that too. Like, I actually <laughs> wish we didn't give a fuck about it. I would, uh, you seem like a, a kind of person, you know, uh, left to yourself, you know, let people live like they want to live. I know I am, you know, I don't want to care what people are doing with their personal life, but it seems like, and other people smarter than me, especially this vet, Nick Freitas, SF vet, enlisted dude over in Virginia. He's in their House of Delegates. He sort of went viral in a speech a few years ago saying, as a libertarian, he's like, you know, I wish I didn't have to care about all these political issues so much. I wish I didn't have to care. But we live in a world from of, of runaway government. I'm sorry. That's just the world we live in where it's not the 1700s anymore, the 1800s. We live through so many bureaucrats that work in our government unelected. We live in that world, and, and the politics has gotten personal for So he's, he, again, he's like, I wish I didn't have to care, but unfortunately, we have all these taxes and regulations and et cetera, et cetera, that make me and force me to react. Yeah. <laughs> you obviously care. To, you know, and to be specific, the government cares now what I wear on my fucking face yeah. and what I inject in my body. Let's just be, it's, it's, just, it's just plain as simple as that. And every day this goes by, and every day we have friends posting uh, pictures of them wearing their fucking face diapers and on social media or even the ones mocking it and their, their face diaper says like this ain't stopping me or, or fuck joe biden i'm sorry you're still doing it we're still engaging in in, in insanity and to me that's not good because i've been in iraq and it's like 
you you know it can get a lot worse it can keep going and i i just constantly think of this woman i met in iraq this uh, lady she was probably like 35 years old she had been educated uh, at the at some kind of Western university, I think, in the Middle East. She she spoke very good English. She worked for the State Department team. They're on our little base. This is my second deployment when I was a staff guy. Which base is this? This was in Diwania. Hmm. Uh, um, we were in Fab Iskan for a little bit, that second deployment, guarding the power plant that powered Baghdad. We closed that down. That was where that sad Pakistani guy ran the defect. And I had to tell him we're closing down. <laughs> it was just like, he kept, like, for the next two weeks during all, he, you know, Dude, I'm just working here, man. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. <laughs> um, but uh, but down in Diwania, we had a State Department team, and we got to know some of these people. They uh, there's only like really two card carrying State Department guys. They their their team is rounded out by some academics, and then they would have locals. So in addition to their two State Department guys, another four academics. One of them was an A and M guy trying to show these guys how to farm. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, no, it's just, it's just ridiculous what we bite off over there. I mean, and of course they'll act like, yeah, we're so interested. They're just trying to suck whatever they can. They're doing, that's right. what I would do too. They're not going to like, I'll take what you'll give. Right. Me. Exactly. Yeah. But you, the, the insanity of think you're going to come over there and, and I don't know, it's just such a waste. Someone had to pay this guy's salary, but they would have locals too. I was getting it with this woman. Um, they would have locals help them out. And this one lady, and we get to know him and we're talking to one of them. She's like 35 college educated. She had to take like two taxis to get over to our base. So she wouldn't, followed right. this is 09 and oh, it's yeah. not like that crazy like it's very low but still it's like yeah. you know uh, sort of a war zone still and uh anyway back to our covid situation and sort of how things change how rapidly she was saying how uh, under saddam she didn't have to wear the bat suit she called it a bat suit like the full suit she says now when i go to najaf or i go to parts of diwania now and all these clerics are taking over like the you know the power vacuum that's being filled is a bunch of religious nut jobs yeah and she was bitching to us she was saying you know i can't go to najaf now walk down the street even with my husband and someone you know poking at me if i'm covered up or talking about what's my face and the point of all that is like i think a lot of people thought oh well it's always been like that it's like no there's no things can change things could change rapidly we have not been this insane with making children wear fucking face diapers. Yeah. If they'll do that to children, what do you think they're going to do to 80-year-old me? Have you seen the pictures <laughs> of Tyran in the 70s? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, women, hippie, yeah, the hippie trail used to go through there. The girls and... Women you know, dressed right. just and like we the, were dressing in the And that's 70s. in the city and it's not in every part of Iran, but like, yeah, <clears throat> there's definitely a time period there. That can happen overnight. Uh, and right, like and you, changed. Like you're talking about with that power vacuum, as soon as we took Saddam out, boom, who's going to fill this spot? Well, his sons tried for a minute. That failed miserably. And then you've got lots of different religious sects that are trying to move in and take power. And and we're idiots, too. And we didn't, you know, because, again, the people running, you know, we just, we don't study history anymore. I think one of the lessons from World War II that, I, you know, I certainly sort of at least took a notes of in college yeah. <laughs> was that they didn't disband the Nazi party or all the Nazi. If you're in the Nazi party that you, you weren't barred from government, they didn't gut the the people that already held some kind of authority in the country because you need some kind of authority to run a government well, um, we got real cozy but, with but, the nazis after World right War and so <laughs> what do we expect you couldn't but anyway we didn't make it better for ourselves by going down there and disbanding their political their their army first of all and then uh disbanding or if we want to call it the bath party you know i don't think you have to be a military savant to get that you sure you know um you certainly shouldn't expect that of the 25-year-old grunts running around there, the 20-year-old grunts. But like the people running the damn war, what, what, do you, what do you think? And there's plenty of people to talk about. Why is this guy, Paul Bremer, running the place, you know, wearing his little boot stack? Much? I mean, the guy is known, always walking around with combat boots in his suit. It's just, it's all an act. Um, a lot of guys from Texas, unfortunately, involved with that because Bush was president. 
whatever, but he's a transplant from Massachusetts anyway. So um, Bush? His family. Oh really? You know, I didn't know that. that. From, they're the New Englanders. Yeah. Shit, I thought they were always Texans. <laughs> Um, well, man, I tell you but, what, but I think we don't, it, we don't, we don't look, we don't. If it didn't happen, you know, recently, we have such, we have short, short attention spans. We don't learn from it, and it's just, I think, again, it's like this past two years. I've personally been affected by it. My wife's been affected by it going to work. We're personally witnessing runaway, insane government, and I just think that's a lesson that a lot of vets can at least understand if they've had some kind of deployment of, of some kind of means and seen the rest of the world and we've been part of we've been part of the authoritarian government yeah. it's like yeah it doesn't <laughs> like it doesn't care about you and like yeah. there's there's this misconception that, that this this caretaker government no government is great at, at military and force and and get you know um so to me it's 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 scary to think if they'll do this to kids <laughs> they'll face diaper kids or they'll face diaper all these people in all these other states right now because it's relatively free here in, you know in this county in this state but it's definitely happening a lot of schools still and it's like dude it's not science fiction to, for me to wonder what's going to be when, when i'm 80 years old i don't want to be some situation where i'm at the hospital in some you know uh no one can visit you because they've made it so hard and all this stuff uh, uh god knows how many jabs they want to give you because well, you know while you're to, in here to are we go up ahead. to six we're up to six now is that what they're recommended yeah i mean it depends where you are uh yeah. Is that I think that humans are a very particular type of animal. We're wired in a certain way that, given the uh, circumstances that will just allow themselves to happen over a certain period of time, that humans will always follow the same path. Mm, yeah. And the reason I think that is if you watch the the uh, the peak of an empire, which is followed by the destruction of an empire throughout history. And you're right, people don't pay attention to history, but. It's going to happen. It's going to yeah, repeat yeah. itself one it's way or the other. It it's just how, what, in what form is it going to manifest? I think that we we are just programmed in a certain way, the same way that an ant, whenever it comes into being, knows exactly how to do its job. We're a little more complex than an ant, but we follow the same patterns. We do the same shit. And it doesn't matter. Yeah, we have the same tendencies, but luckily we have all these tools. The, what separates us from the ants is we have tools and so we can build upon other people's success. I agree with you. Human nature is inertia, path of least resistance. I totally get it. If yeah. you don't watch your soldiers on guard, if there's not some sergeant, you won't have guard. <laughs> Something's getting set on fire. Yeah, something, <laughs> no, you have to check it. Cause, and so I, and the only reason he knows to do that is because he has the technology to, like he was given, the sergeant was armed <clears> with technology <throat> and training to know to do that from other people doing it. Yeah. So as long as you can look back I mean, it sounds so cliched. It's like, you got to study history, but like, I'm telling you, it fucking helps. Like it, it can help so much. I think in people's personal lives, at least having a sense of what the hell's going on politically, but even you can write that off as being some abstract parlor game. Okay. It is, I guess, but I just think, how does that hurt you to, in your own personal life to have a good sense of what happened before you're born? And I'm just saying, I think if more people understood that there wouldn't be this hysteria with this stuff, that's why they can so easily scare people with, Spanish flu, 1918, and they just scare because most people don't realize. Oh, 1918, that was the end of World War One. World War One, millions of soldiers fighting. What happens during war? People get sick. They're in boats. As soon as you put any kind of common sense context, they go, "No, that's that's not what's going on now. No, that's not." 
Yeah. That was a flu that got out of hand because that's what always happened. When you go back any war, this is what happens, and you're going back to wrecked economies that didn't have hospitals. Right. There's, there's like, other is, things to consider. Right. If you had yeah. a, if you had a just a glancing understanding of history, you would need Stuart here to explain that to, to, to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's what's sad. Is all the, no two thousand, and, and they'll just pick anything, and it's like. Again, I swear to God, if it happened before Apple's IPO, it's like it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Was Google there? <laughs> I know. Yeah. We're older than Google, by the way. That should disturb you a little bit. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there uh, well into their 20s Isn't that one of just them could Russia? not operate Isn't without one of the any guys of from Russia. So there we should go sanction, right? It must be bad. I don't follow you. Google? Uh, yeah, one of the founders of it, not the main guy, the uh, not the Larry Page, but the uh, the one with the weird name. He's a legit, like, still card-carrying Russian? No, no, I don't think, <laughs> I don't, probably not anymore, no. He probably burned that card. Yeah. I know some cool Russians that were happy to get out of their country and It's come Russian live or, the, like, a neighboring one of the things, I swear to God. <laughs> he's, like, right, it's like USSR, yeah. I think. Well, so. I, I bet you we've got a, a whole handful of Chinese in there too, running. Yeah, it. yeah. Yeah, there's probably a lot of multinationals. Hey, I, you know, I'm nothing against Google. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. No, and and uh, I I would probably not do. be able probably to live do. without my phone now. I mean, yeah, no, I use it for everything. There, there's definitely. I think we could probably sit here and drive ourselves nuts for the next month talking about what's wrong with our government and different ways to uh, brainstorm and try to figure it all out and what's best. I know and I've got I've got some pretty solid ideas like all uh, the answers. Our uh, the people in charge, our senators and congressmen, they uh, they need to have term limits and they need to. Did you know if you serve in one of those seats? for one term that you get the paycheck and the benefits for the rest of your life. I'd heard they had a good pension. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know exactly what I don't, the details were. I don't know. I heard it was a really crazy pension. I don't it? know why a public they servant. They for themselves for that, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know why a There's public servant There's a Ken Burns documentary that. on Congress that I watched. Uh, you know, he, Ken Burns, he does these big documentaries, like the Civil War, the West, um, and uh, a lot of them. He did one in the 90s, I believe, about Congress, the U.S. Congress. And it used to be on YouTube. And maybe when I'm done telling you about it, you'll understand why I try to find the link anymore. (laughs) I couldn't find it for free anymore. It's because uh, it was like this documentary showing the growth of Congress back in the day. And like back in the day, I think, I mean, they didn't have a staff, first of all. It was just them sitting there. They literally were going by the the document that was signed into the the Constitution that outlined what they could do. And so they didn't even know if they had the authority to like. Uh, ratify this treaty that Washington is bringing back, I think, with France yeah. or something, you know, something. And of course, they did, you know, uh, with the vice president running the Senate or whatever, sort of guiding them. I think Adams at the time, right? So now this is your job. Let's do this. Okay, got it. That's a that's a that's a very innocent body in a way, um, void of all these hangers on, literally doing some job that they've just won a war fucking fighting over to be able to set up and they got all the states all the stakeholders that's what they used to call us in the netherlands uh, you know because they were called their original united states nine states and netherlands they fought a revolution and then against the spanish empire yeah not too long before these guys so the stakeholders uh, have put together have created this entity like like a corp like a corporation okay we're setting up a board to help run this thing um very limited. <laughs> now that board has, has gotten to where, no, we run everything. And they all, anyway, back to the documentary. What I found fascinating, the documentary starting in the 1800s, these motherfuckers didn't even know if they could authorize a treaty. No staff. Slowly over the years, over the decades, they like up to like the 1900s, they're slowly getting like a few people on their staff yeah. to help them with things. Okay, even that, okay, I can kind of, I can kind of 
Makes sense. Uh, who's paying their salary taxes, obviously. And now you think about what is it now? Anytime you saw, see one of those hearings, you just see scores of people sitting behind them. All these staffers, and God knows how. And then not even that, like the bureaucracies that they've created under the executive branch. I don't know. It's weird. And then they, they pretend as if that the uh, it's like last time I checked, pre- when Trump was, was uh, head of the federal branch, like he was their boss. <laughs> right. But they make it sound like it's another branch of the government. It's just very odd. But anyway, I found that fast. That was my takeaway from the Ken Burns documentary was, wow, how quickly in the span of like 100 years, it just to gloat. And it's like, that's, and we're not unique. You go, I mean, any of these empires, if you just open a fucking history book and read about any of this shit, this is, and like you were saying, this, so for some reason, some societies can get it better than others, but find a way of, I think, um, staying unified in some kind of way. And usually that's war. So I guess the societies that find a way to unify themselves in a defensive war, (laughs) you know, instead of being, you can unify yourself aggressively too. But, um, yeah, and, and so you look around here, and my wife always talks about this now. It's hard to find stuff unifying now at this point. Yeah. It would take another war, um, uh, sadly, as it is to say. How um, how dark and awful do you think that would be? Pretty bad. I mean, well, it depends who it is with. <laughs> um, <laughs> our parents, even so our parents, they've been scared of the nuclear stuff that hasn't yet played out. So Yeah, that's people, not over. Um, that's or not- it turns out people do think twice about, you know, it's like people aren't that stupid. They're not going to take a horse medicine, even if it's from the horse stuff, and take the horse dose, you know, with ivermectin. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. The, it could get pretty bad. Yeah, that book is still wide open. We don't know how that plays out yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to live long enough to see the uh, secession, if you could say that word, uh, you know, the states. I think if the cryptocurrency stuff becomes widespread, like the the Bitcoin stuff, the haters, a lot of the haters get it wrong. They'd be like, you will never replace the dollar. That's not what the purpose is. If you actually read the white paper of Bitcoin and you read the early conferences and they were doing this stuff in London, these yeah. early developers of it, literally the the mission to boil down to the mission statement is to avoid banks. Yeah. <laughs> Glad where I can just deal with you. Which we're currently busy trying to regulate and put back in the control of the banks. So... Right. Who knows? So who knows where it goes. <laughs> I yeah. own some. I don't know what it does. <laughs> well, it allows you to buy stuff. The only reason I even knew about it is because I needed it to buy something back in the day online. And so I got some. And that was long. That was like 2011. Oh, shit. Yeah. And, good for uh, you. Well, I did the what I thought was the wise thing. And over the month or the years slash months, you would see it spike. And I'd be I'd sell off some. And Yeah. If you just had it held on. It's, yeah, it's yeah. like those spikes are nothing. You look back now, but... Uh, that a buddy no, in 2015 cue me up on it, and I was like, nope, don't understand it, not going to do it. And well, back then, I could have bought it for 500 bucks a coin, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, had a, I have a million, a Bitcoin millionaire friend that got in at 500 bucks. I actually sold him his first one, so I hooked him up, showed him how to get it, and now he's got, like, a lot. <laughs> how awesome. But... I think that's a way. I mean, that's a path forward. People always find a way, I think, revolting from uh, bigger authoritarian stuff. If you if you point out earlier, things are natural cycle. Well, that is part of the natural cycle, too. It's not easy, and it takes money. You uh-huh. know, uh, it always takes money. If you look at the devils in the details, how you're going to fund yourself. Look at the... Tr- that's why the truckers are very... The Canadian truckers, they're very organized Canadians, and they... I think they're still figuring out how to fund themselves. But so, actually, there's that brings up... It highlights all that... Uh, I think they're probably still having a little bit of a workaround. So they acknowledge that funding is important. They plan for it, but but also that goes to show that the state can just shut that right. down very easily. But those are and the so, guys that had money through the GoFundMe and the GoFundMe right, got exactly. shut down. And, and now so they the can money part, the I think in the fu- it's not until we get to the future where that's not a big risk or that's like not, it's something you can't hit me with. You can't fucking threaten my bank account. 
you know, because yeah. we've got these other, whether it's Bitcoin or whatever, we've got these other pathways. Until then, I think it's very hard. It's, uh, other, you know, the cartoons or memes are part of it, even back then in the Netherlands and, uh, you know, car- political cartoons making fun of the Spanish. I love those. insanity. Yeah. And, and if you think the COVID back then was the, was the, uh, uh, um, the split between Protestant and um, Roman Catholic. I mean, we think it's so silly now, but they were dead serious about this stuff. They oh, were yeah. dead serious. No, we have to burn them. Yeah. To cleanse them. They were fucking dead serious. Yeah. They were fucking burning people. Well, we, and these Dutch people that didn't even like, that that, that also hated Protestants to death and, and wished them death, they were like, no, we can't fucking burn these people. This is mm-hmm. insane. Well, the equivalent, now, the equivalent now is politics, right? Yes. I mean, our, our messiahs and our There's gods have turned into our our political ideologies because right. nobody really is getting upset about religious stuff these days well, the, the way va- they would well, have 20 I'm, years well, ago. The but. Now is the vaccine and the, and the face diaper stuff, the mask. And I think someone would be rightly right to say, hey, it's not the same as the burnt in the Inquisition risk that the Dutch were revolting against um, or other people revolting against history. Yes, it's, it's not the same. It's not the same, but it's pretty freaking bad. And, and who knows where it's... I mean, the idea of people injecting you, I mean, that's just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be able to live your life normal. I mean, yeah. it's just insane. Or to wear something over your face. Um, so I think it's, it's very odd because there's... Because I understand that there's a way they can make it seem like, oh, that's not that. That's, that's absurd to compare this to these things. Yeah. Or people compare it to the Holocaust, these weird things. I get it. I, but like equally but, but equally to that, though, is I just think they're, they're fooling themselves or people on the sidelines are fooling themselves to not thinking how, how, how dangerous this is and how yeah. unprecedented it is. And again, I just go like, what do I know? If, if, if I hadn't been in the Army and just seen how just mindless... Some of it, like I think people think that there's people up there just you know we got their hand. It's like that is not how it works, man. Yeah. This is a machine. They don't act. Yeah, there's yeah, nobody the actually at the helm. Aren't even really running the thing. They're right. just all advocating, and it kind of just gets galled together. And yeah. I totally agree. It's not a conspiracy. We're just it's a confluence of incentives and circumstances. Well, when uh, you're passing a bill that's four thousand pages deep yeah, and no nobody's reading, reading it, it and they're right. just voting on it, right? And it's not okay. We we want to outlaw sugar and Coca Cola. And that's the bill. But underneath that bill is how long a traffic light runs and, you know, how many taxes you owe. And, and I mean, and 3,000 pages Trump of that. Trump I think, doing a fairly reasonable, not perfect, but fairly reasonable job of stiff-arming a lot of that up to 2020. And the COVID <laughs> was the, just, when he declared an emergency and then he, you know, publicly had to agree with this bill that was all dangling, the trillion-dollar stuff, you know. Oh that's how they got all that in. I mean, and this is nothing new. I mean, it is how right. they do it. But I'm just saying there was, Trump represented a moment when some of that was on the, on the there was being resistance. There was being effect. there was effective resistance. And it turns out though, the Achilles heel of a well-known germaphobe, he's on record since the 80s being a germaphobe. I mean, so it turns out the Achilles heel of a germaphobe was this flu. He totally caved on, in March 15th, 16th, whenever it was, they declared the national emergency that was his tactical mistake, man. Sorry, like I, I would probably vote for him again, probably because I think he was clearly so much better than the rest and yeah. so many other, so many other domains. But like that was a huge mistake. That set the conditions for all this fucking just Pandora's box. Well, no, because under it just triggers so many things. It's like when we declared the global war on terrorism, all that GWAT money 
I had sold, I had new, I had privates that knew like about the GWAT money uh-huh. <laughs> and just how easy it was to. Now, what was the GWAT? Global War on Terrorism. Okay. Um, and what, what year are you talking about? From like 2003 to like, I would say, oh, oh, seven, oh, eight, they okay. started clamping a lot of that down. But I mean, the money was just flowing. Okay. And this is, this is when Raytheon and all those other yes. contractors are making bank. Yes. Just- putting yes. away funds and it's not that any of that's different and, there's, and probably some of that uh, uh, scale maybe maybe or maybe hasn't changed but it's like all the no, little stuff too it's like all the people the Oakley's glasses and all yeah. the all the little in cool frames guys. right it's all the little <laughs> shit I mean it's just massive and it's such scale we operate on such scale where it's just it's so much and the same thing's going on with COVID he opened the gate there's so much with the COVID stuff now it's such large scale my parents uh, run a medical spa in Tyler and they rent out a a space um, behind them and the girl was doing uh, these free COVID testings or hers weren't free it was some kind of charge because the point is she her my parents looked into it and based on my mom's research she found that the reimbursement rate from the government was sort of set it was this one price and so she and she could basically flub on her expenses she knew she was always going to get this like 650 for the shot to give someone or the uh, the test excuse me um Basically, there's not really a, there's not a system they're checking any of this, and so she and it and, and it's very subjective. It's like okay, well, this is uh, this is what I think I should be compensated. So basically, it looked like a pretty good way for someone to set up shop and like say pay get six hundred bucks profit for each little test they do. Right. Um, this is all possible because the government is paying her, recouping her expense. This is yeah. not a normal business. That's not a normal market. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, not to get into weeds, but I'm just saying like that. Our government doing that from that one hack we live in such a weird going back to the you know the statement from the sf vet nick Friedis, how everything's politics is everywhere we've got all these agencies that are no so, so connected all it took was one mistake from trump and like all these entities are now triggered to this this chain yeah. reaction of money that just comes spewing that money thing um, was really fascinating to watch and it's a lot of money People our last election money. cycle you were talking about your your uh maybe uh vote for trump but the the one person that i thought was actually in a excellent position to uh run our country was tulsi gabbard the only thing that i didn't like about her is that she was really strong-armed about the uh universal income right and whenever whenever she brought that up i went that's never gonna fucking work it's a huge red flag and then after that we start cutting checks left and right. We start setting up organizations <laughs> where we're we're recompensating hospitals. What was it? Something insane, like thirty eight thousand dollars every time they had a positive case for COVID. Um, all these different funds just opened up and started flooding businesses. The people and that were running the gym that I went to, look, you could look yeah. this stuff up. No, it's not like, a conspiracy. This actually happened. Right. The guy that ran the gym that I was going to, whenever all this happened over there in. Um, um, uh, not Alito, just outside of it, but he was telling me that it actually saved his business because he was on the not, maybe not on the way out, but definitely on his heels, having to pay a bunch of different loans off and this, that, and the other. And whenever COVID hit, he applied for a small business grant, right. and he just paid off all his debt. Where did all this goddamn money this is come from? The government <laughs> stepping, stepping in and just completely, you know, messing up markets, and yeah. as the capitalism gets blamed for all this stuff. No, I hear you. It, it's 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 odd. I have like one buddy. He worked at a mess. Uh, yeah, startup in Austin, a messaging app service. So if you're a big company that needed to put out alerts to your companies, you know, you, you to your employees, you would hire. You would buy this uh, service, and you know, 
especially for any kind of like stuff where it's emergencies right. and they need. So during COVID, uh, their business is booming. <laughs> right. Because yeah. companies wanted to be have this messaging app. So he's like, man, our salespeople are just taking orders at this point. That's great. I mean, but, you know, but he's not stupid. He's, he's like I me. Mean, he's a very small government person. I mean, it's just all insanity. I think, any, again, you go look at history, the government getting this much involved in the economy. Hell, we were talking about rights and liberties a second ago is bad enough. But, yes, they're, when they're this balls deep in the economy, point to me that, to any, I mean, I don't know. I guess people would say, oh, World War II, you know. But, yeah, again, how fucking stupid is that? This isn't a war going on. This is a stupid, this is a cold at this point. It's a common yeah. cold. Now, so I don't know. It's just dying all, to like, ask they, you they think it's just all fake money. I think they a lot of these people think it's just a parlor game. It's an abstract deal. But like you know, I pay taxes, and I'm sorry. Like the rent's going to keep going up on my oh, tenants. Yeah. You know, oh. this is not <laughs> yeah. where you think this money comes from. I've um, been dying to ask you this though. What what was your exposure to the virus so far? I'm, um, I know that at the the beginning of this, I I thought there was a good chance that all this was bullshit because nobody I knew had had been impacted by it. I had no there was a huge separation between uh, COVID and me until later on in the game. But what was your level of exposure to this? Did you have any family? I assume that got... I've had it a couple times. Okay, so you were never hospitalized for it. You didn't have anybody in your no. family that passed away from it. No. Okay. And I have, I have a, most of my people, most of my close friends, most of my close family, my immediate family has had it. Uh, my mom didn't even know she had it. Uh, my sister was a little sick. Um, my dad had it. Not much of a thing. My college roommate had it. Not much of a thing. Many people I know have had it. And here's the thing. I know many people have gotten sick before this. Yeah. And I've been sick on my ass before this. I mean, there is just so much. It's called context. Because I'm not denying that there are this sim- there is a collection of respiratory illness symptoms being called coronavirus disease. <laughs> yes, I acknowledge that. <laughs> what I don't agree with is the modeled effect it's modeled the modeled effects that they're saying it's having on all these health outcomes yeah no i don't agree i don't agree at all we live in an increasingly sicklier world Uh (laughs) so you can't blame another common bug that comes across we're first of all we're becoming increasingly sicklier and we're increasingly more technologically advanced so we can identify stuff. We pathologize everything, not just this this bullshit, but we have pathologized different aspects of ADHD. Oh, yeah. the, I mean, it's all bullshit. I'm sorry. I, I, I think in my non-humble opinion, it's all bullshit. Yeah. Uh, humans need nutrients and vitamins and minerals and sunlight. and Like, it's not rocket science. Yeah. And if you don't do those, you will have bad health. Yeah. <laughs> And you could sit here and pathologize it and call it something and just get really and then have a pharmaceutical solution to that. Yeah, you could do that or you can suck it up and do the harder thing, which is just realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't, you know, be eating this way or drinking this way or et cetera, right. et cetera, right. et cetera. And even then, hey, guess what? It's called life. Yeah. Um, and, and so most of the time when I've had people that said they knew someone with COVID that died, I would ask, OK, so hold on, time out. You you knew that well uh, well it was you know it was different it was the the, the sister of this guy where okay so you didn't know her right. and then the the times when it would be like no this is literally someone I know and I'd ask him like well they were in the sixties and they were pretty bad yeah. so, you know and again I hate to even go down the uh, the whole rabbit hole for them the, the, the rabbit hole of um, just individual um, well to close uh, but, that idea yeah. up real quick and the reason I asked you that uh, because my with many things in life my uh, 
my idea behind that or my personal beliefs changed throughout the course of the last two years. And I think that's probably the most important thing to bring up with people whenever they're arguing about this uh, coronavirus is because the personal experiences make all the difference. You cannot believe the media anymore. Nobody believes them. You can't believe even, in my opinion, some of the doctors because the doctors that have opposing opinions have been silenced. So my my point, just real quick, is that whenever this all came out and started, I didn't believe any of this shit. And then Morgan, my fiance, her grandmother got it. She was 92 at the time, 91. She got sick as a dog, got hospitalized, but within, I think, three days, kicked the thing's ass. So for me, that was like proof, okay? This woman is diabetic. She's over 90. She kicked its ass in three days. No problem, right? If I catch it, I know I'll be fine. And then I did catch it. I got hospitalized, and they would not let me leave. <laughs> they said my my blood, whatever platelet count or whatever, had gotten so high I think that they bully people though into this. And I think they have effect though. They have an effect on our like they haven't. If I know if if I when I was feel, there was a time in 2020 when I was starting to feel bad and I started to question. Sure. If they like think about all these other people, I'm I'm just saying it's very human nature to when everything you look on your phone is telling you. This is bad. This is okay. bad. It's dead. That has an effect too. Sure, and I understand so, and that. So to to model that out, to data that out, and to separate that is tough. But I'm. But my 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 hypothesis is, if if you did not have twenty four seven mass media telling people to be scared shitless, right. there wouldn't be as many hospitalizations. Yeah. And guess what? When you go to the hospital, you often get sicker. Yeah. So this l- is not. A, that's I got. I got to finish this story for you though. Sure. Because because. At the very beginning, your your words that are coming out of your mouth right now were my words until I caught the shit, which in my opinion, for me, I wish I had have, uh, not been so resistant to this sure, entirely. Yeah. So my girlfriend had to drag me to the hospital because I don't go to the hospital. I just don't. But well, you had a fever? I had a fever of 105 and I could not keep it down. I'm sitting in a bath full of ice water. I'm taking all the pills. I'm trying everything I can to keep my fever down because I'm like, I'm going to kick this thing's ass at home. I'm not going to pay eight grand to go to the hospital. So we put up with this for about two weeks. And then she finally, she's like, this is insane. You're going to die in this fucking bathtub full of ice. And we couldn't get it down at that point, uh, below 105. So we go to the hospital. The wait was insane, right? Because everybody's at the hospital, right? Because they're paying attention to their phones and everybody's scared. But I couldn't get a bed, so they kept me in the waiting room for uh, coming close to six hours. And I was so fucking miserable. I was like, I'm going to go. Gonna it, that's going to make it worse. I'm yeah. just going to go die at home. Well, anyway, they, they told me that I couldn't leave because of my vitals and because the blood work had come back and it was really bad. Uh, but I got to tell you this, and I know you, you, you got to think I'm a reasonably intelligent guy, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not your uh, average idiot, um, maybe a, a special kind of idiot, but... I did the math myself and I'm like, they're probably telling me the truth just based on the fact that I'd, I'd never been this kind of sick before in my life. Um, I'd, I'd never been uh, in a situation where I was hearing auditory hallucinations. I can't even say the fucking word, but I was, I was so dizzy. I couldn't walk a straight line. I was hearing crazy shit. I'd, I was more fucked up than I've ever been in my life. I wasn't throwing up. I didn't have diarrhea or anything like that. It wasn't dehydration. There was something like 
uniquely wrong with me. Anyway, all that just to say, yeah, in my that? opinion, this is a, an illness that was not fabricated by my imagination. Oh, no. I, <laughs> I, mean, so I don't want to just that at all, no. But anyway, so I, I got out of the hospital, and then I found out that uh, three guys um, that I worked with had also been hospitalized mm-hmm. because we all caught it at the same place from the same asshole who had been diagnosed with COVID and then decided to come back up to work and got us all sick. So one guy, he was in the hospital for two weeks, thought he was definitely going to fucking die. And when another guy, this? Uh, this was four months ago, five months ago, maybe. So my story, what I was, it wasn't COVID. It could, it could have been something else, but whatever it was, I've never had it before. And it was, and what'd they do to treat you? So fluids. Um, yeah, no, I know. Um, and then how would they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't See, know what else they like did for inf- does that inflammation. Sound like a disease to you? Well, it's it's something that put me in the hospital. Is so a cut can get how, me. I could get however, we want to classify. My wife it. got a cut and she had to go to hospital. I mean, that's not you know. They're calling it a disease. I think <laughs> for effect. Yeah. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with all that. I, I don't. I do not disagree that there is a collection of symptoms. Right. That they're calling coronavirus disease. I acknowledge that. So whether it's a bacteria, you know, like virus, picture, or a disease, like that's not though. a real picture though. When they show that that thing with the spike, that's not like a real photograph, right? <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> it's the, a modeled image. I mean, it's not even. I mean, the publicly accepted ver- right. visual, I mean, not visual even, like, effect. I think a of lot it. of people think that's the real. Fo- that's what it looks like. like that, no, yeah. it's a model. An artist like, made that. No, I mean, yeah. this is. Um, and I just say, like, I don't know. I w- I worked at a hospital. When I was fourteen. Mm-hmm. My grew up around hospital. Grew up like doctors and all this shit i'm not trying to discount any of it i right. tell people all the time that they should be worried about their health and yeah. there could be th- i so i don't want to come across as is nonchalant at all i actually do think there's gr- there's a great benefit to being aware of your health and and doing and being healthy and and doing it, what you need to i'm just saying there the 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 scale of the lopsidedness of our uh has been exaggerated here yeah. and that has an effect too and i'm just saying it's it's worthwhile to realize like we're humans, like you said. We're animals. You can't help but like I would be too if I had a hundred and five fever. I'm not going to question. I'm not going to sit here and say I wouldn't handle any of this different. So don't yeah. give me that. Yeah, wrong. I, you know, I would. Yeah. I just try to look at it as you know, like when I did consult because they always been, this was the thing they said back at the start of a data driven. We want a data driven deal. Why well, did data as an officer? I actually, did quite a bit of data staff guy, and then consulting. That's fucking almost all I did. Yeah. Data in the real world, in the fucking real world, when money's at stake and you have executives at oil companies going, show me some numbers or well rates or bankers going, you know, what are these cost effects? Dude, that's, you don't just go, here's the number, fucking eat it. Yeah. <laughs> Data is very complicated. You right. Have to tease out the oranges to the apples and segment stuff, parse out this or that, show over time, show different things, throw the flu on there, throw the, throw the SARS, throw all, let's see it all. We don't just say, no, here's the number at one point in time and here, fucking live with it. That, yeah. That's not how it fucking works. So there's all these red flags immediately. And, and then, not just me, I started looking at Stanford is one of the few Ivy League uh, holdouts uh, that's not completely woke, in my opinion. They have a guy that runs a podcast over there, used to write speeches for Reagan. It's called Uncommon Knowledge. Um, so back then, t- March 2020, I, you know, I happened to see his channel. He, you know, like everybody else, they're in lockdown. So he starts interviewing profs in Stanford. Did you say profs? Pro, pre, professor. Professors, okay. Professor. He starts interviewing Stanford professors, uh, epidemiologists and stuff, and these guys have dissenting opinion. Here, Tom, like, and some of these guys have since been, these are the guys, some of these doctors you mentioned that were uh, 
science i can't say his name jay something it's some indian name with a b sure. it's like 20 letters long and some other fellows but um march 2020 i'm sitting there watching a very stanford reagan speechwriter interviewing him he's like and he's a very eloquent he's an indian dude you know but he talk he's very polite he's like when fauci is talking about these death rates of of uh one percent He's modeling that under data that we all have access to, but he's choosing to punch in different assumptions. Right. He's assuming to punch in a different. He's like dumbing it down. It's literally uh -huh. not that complicated. He's he's changing the denominator to what he thinks it is. He's right. like, well, I think this has been in the population since this time. Yeah. Changes my denominator. People died over the denominator. Gives you a different number. And he's like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you though that that the death rate of coronavirus is 0.01%, which is what I calculated. What I'm gonna tell you is that's what I've modeled. <laughs> yeah. And that's my model. And he can tell you literally, and he was saying 1%. The difference between 0.01 and 1% is fucking ginormous. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. two orders of magnitude. Um, this is, and last time I checked, this is a Stanford professor that is, you know, out the, you know, and, and again, he's like, and this is, I know from consulting, a lot of this, this data, it's not like Fauci has, the secret data or like a lot of these business people in business it's not like there's there's very wide there's very well-known collections of data out there for yeah. whatever you're interested in if there's certain there's this data collected at the time from these health organizations and but it still mattered on how you model it and that was his point like how you you don't have like the market cornered on how to model something right and, and you're <laughs> we not, taught and you happened? how to do that right yeah. taught you to, and it's the same <laughs> thing with the climate stuff and i think a lot of conservative people have wised up or small government people i should say have wised up to the climate change stuff being a cult because they it's like insane math like they just decide when to stop modeling something when to turn off the deal when to just not look at the evolution of there's been ice age cycles right um and it's like stop that's the same thing that with this covid stuff there's a lot of just sophomoric modeling of data that's just being presented as if it's flashy and and I get how this can sound callous to someone, you know. To, to, but it's just like I, I want to be clear I mean, too. The reason like, I brought that yeah. up, my my story is just just so that we have like a good understanding of like we, we have had different uh, experiences with this. For sure. But we're all kind of coming around to the same idea. Like we know that these numbers have been fucked with, because Fauci, time after time after time again, has had to come out and say, "Well, I know I said this, but what I meant was they're backtracking." And, like and every too, government say, oh, agency well, does it. You think doctors are lying? And, and it's again, it's like no, it's but, not a conspiracy. <laughs> it's not that. When I say the numbers, when you say the numbers are messed with, it's a little. And you could go look at this. There are state be meetings on like state committees where committee members are bringing this up, uh -huh. talking about this, and these videos get banned. But anyway. It's not that the doctors are lying. It's if you test positive, either, whether at the hospital at, in the mo in that moment or are already registered as positive in another data, because it's all getting sucked up at the state level or yeah. different reporting agency levels. If you are positive, and then you, but if you die, it doesn't matter what the other comorbidities. It's not like the doctors go, no, it's just coronavirus. No, they're listening. Yeah, maybe yeah. they're listening as a comorbidity. Actually, it doesn't even matter. Right. They may or not be listening as a comorbidity, but they're definitely listing comorbidities. Uh -huh. And then the fact that you were positive in some fucking deal in terms of the state, which is all being collected now because we have the technology to do that. Right. It's the Ken Burns documentary. Like uh -huh. <laughs> They couldn't do this back in the day, but now our government is so tech savvy. It can do all this basically more or less... Uh, pretty good. It's, yeah. it's pretty good at run, crunching some numbers, and then boom, you get your statistic because they had coronavirus and they died. You marry up these stats, and boom, you get. And that's what these numbers were. And so I'm like, I I find myself agreeing with the people that think no. If uh, I'm not denying this this respiratory illness is out there, but the fact 
the idea that it's the sole thing responsible for killing someone, right? Maybe five percent of those numbers, maybe. Excellent, excellent. I mean, that's this is what I th- I think, yeah. and it's like two years into it, I've yet to see anything from the expert side. <laughs> yeah, sort of, and it seems like everything we see. Furthermore, as this thing goes along, makes it seem like the people that were saying it's not a big deal were, were more right, but. But it's been successful in, in kind of keeping us wrapped around the axles and, and not moving forward. You know, oh, yeah, we, big time. We, we've polarized the issue and made it a political issue and a my team versus your team issue whenever it, it should be more about, okay, there's a fucking virus. Let's wash our hands and let's get back to work. So nobody even, is trying to like say the that... washing the hands thing. <laughs> nobody I'm, said... I'm the George Carlin deal if, unless, oh. <laughs> unless I get shit on my hand, which every now and then it's like... But no, I hear you. It's it's just like I was in Iraq in '09 when the H1N1 came out. Yeah, you know it happened. Big deal. You know, it's, people died. But people died. Yeah, a lot of people free, died. You know, but you know, Obama was president, and there was not. It's not that it's a conspiracy to do this against Trump. But like, think about it. Back when he's president, there was not a media incentive to just. You know, yeah. the media was clamoring for his Trump's external existential uh, external event. I would watch a lot of MSNBC when he became president because I was fascinated with the the dichotomy yeah, yeah i would when i was especially when i was consulting those years i would watch msnbc morning joe and just it's like two different movies you know oh, yeah, on the same yeah. screen same story two different spins yeah. right and uh they were all one thing they kept harping about was he's going to get his external crisis he's going to get his, his war or something and it's like this came along and actually the conservatives they, the, the liberals relate to the party the conservatives i'm sorry to say is where they were the ones freaking out first i mean do you know steve bannon Sounds familiar. He, he ran Trump's campaign at the okay. end. The Breitbart guy. Mm-hmm. He he's a part owner of Seinfeld. Oh no shit! Moneybag. Okay, he's a big. I mean, yeah, he's a big deal. Uh, he he has this show War Room Pandemic. A lot of people like it. I happen to agree with most of his shit. Like, it's like he's a, a news he's, channel. He's uh, it's a podcast. Okay. A video. He's kind of like the new Rush Limbaugh. Okay, you know, he's a yeah. big deal. He, like he said, he ran Breitbart. You know Breitbart News. I'm not familiar with it. Okay. They're a big. Yeah. So and, and like he ran Trump's campaign at the end. He, uh, he's a big dude, big political deal since the Tea Party days. Um, he's got this podcast called War Room. <laughs> a lot of people watch it. I mean, I I didn't watch it, but like my wife, I had Indian friends from grad school that watch it. Army buddies still in Germany watch it. Pretty uh-huh. big audience. Yeah. It started from the impeachment days, 2019. The press was pissed that war, Trump didn't have his fucking war room for the impeachment like Clinton did because it's Trump and he's just dealing it with himself. And so Steve Bannon, you know, his former right-hand man with the campaign, uh, they decided right there in D.C., Breitbart headquarters in D.C. to uh, to set up a war room uh, impeachment. And they had three hours a day podcast, three hours. A day. And so a lot of, if you remember back in 2019, ancient history, but if you would ever see many of the conservative, you know, talking points during the week, the Matt Gaetzes and, and stuff, Jim Jordan's on, on the uh TV. A lot of that was stuff that was being talked about earlier on his show. That the surrogates getting were kind to of, it first, getting to it first. Yeah. So it's a very successful. It's like that's a cool. You know, I'm supportive. Of that. That's great. That's what he does. But as November came along, December of January of 2019, uh, impeachment started to wind down. And in his anti-China zeal, which I agree with, he started covering the shit that was happening in Wuhan in like December 2019. And this is on his show. No so like the last hour huh. of the show became War Room pandemic. Now you fast forward into January and February. I only know this because my wife would listen to all this. And yeah. I mean, he he's, runs a good show, and I, I agree mostly with his stuff. He's all about the America First stuff and all this deal. But 
he started, like I said, out of his anti-China zeal, he started covering this. He fast forward to, to January and February of 2020. He was doing three hours a day. It was not, it was three hours, sometimes, sometimes twice a day, three yeah. hours a day, Damn. seven days a week, war room, pandemic. And I heard him with my own two ears say, I think it was in late February before. Of 2019? Of 2020. Okay. That uh, this was going to be the biggest hum- event in human history. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess in terms of our insane response, he's technically correct, but he was talking about the bug or, yeah. the, or the virus. Yeah. It's not even a living bug. Um, he was talking about the protein. Um, and so I'm, and I'm just like, man, I kind of laughed it off. And I was like, he's clearly freaking out on this. This is stupid. I could tell that, yeah, it's a big deal. And I don't deny what they're, cause he's, cause always like, look what they're doing in China. And that's why I'm always like, so what? Right. So fucking what? <laughs> look how they're freaking, look what they're doing. So fucking what? Yeah. I don't give a fuck if they take fire hoses out and start, what is in it? But he, so I think that angle somehow, anyway, where I was getting with this is he was covering this a lot. He was had a fucking show on it. A lot of people watch this show. He's got connective tissue to Fox, Fox News. So February starts rolling around. You're starting to see Steve Bannon on Fox now doing the coronavirus stuff and talk about updates from the war room pandemic and next thing you know march is here and we know what sets the liberals off they'll freak out about whatever the fucking new york times tells them to but i guess in this case the conservatives freaked out about whatever steve bannon and fox told them to but it wasn't till about march march 1st about thereabouts where new york times started doing they, they have their own podcast world that they live into and they started doing the hardcore like that's when you start hearing the 2.2 million deaths and all of a sudden, and so there you go, you're in the middle of March, and if you're Trump, you have the right is, is freaked out, and the left is now hysterical, and he caved. And that was March, like the last thing he did before he caved was he was back to the data thing. I swear you can look all this up. The fucking last thing he did before he caved was a tweet about comparing the flu stats from California. I think it was like March 14th or 15th. This is what, yes, I was like, yes, this is what you, he was like a stats of people died from the last past year in flu and, and, and stuff like that. The point, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Well, to me, it's like, that's context. Why not? There's more information. How, yeah. how is that bad? But he was fucking blown up. Like, the, you know, he's just like, you know, that was when it became verboten to compare it to the flu. Oh. Like, you couldn't do that. The idea of showing stats and time series stats, it's like, no, this is something different. And you, won't, <laughs> you know, and it's, and he capitulated. And that's why I was getting back to, you know, the Achilles heel of a germaphobe president was this thing and he and he caved and he ever since then you know he's a the hand sanitizer and the vaccine yeah. and it's well, unfortunate but it's like that was a mistake and to your point though um that was one of the first things that i picked up on my own was that there were no flu numbers right it was like, no you were they, he tried and, to and they tried still, to and it was fucking blown you couldn't do that well if you look at the cdc numbers or if you look at anything uh that's being put out by the mainstream media there is no flu oh you mean there's no number there is no flu and there's no flu yeah, yeah, yeah it's right, gone right. so it's corona it's uh so i mean it's if, COVID if if you're gonna look at if, if you want people to trust you and you're gonna show them these numbers and you're gonna pretend like flu cases have been on the rise since forever and then something happened in 2020 where flu right. just like fucking disappeared right right i'm not i told you i'm stupid but i'm i'm a special kind of stupid and even I can pick up on that. So, 
Yeah, and and to be clear to our listeners, no, what we're trying to, and I think we've both done a good job of talking about this, we are not denying that there is a coronavirus, whatever it is, or however it came about, or whatever. We're just concerned, both of us, that the numbers have been fucked with, obviously. It's it's not even a question. Threat, Everybody risk, can see that. It's called a risk man. You know, risk management is right. something they teach you in the military. We inflated in, in a lot of parts of society, people learn risk management, yeah. and I think basic risk assessment has not been applied to this yeah it's been political assessment from day one there was a spider in the house so we burnt the house down right um another i mentioned h1n1 that was something happened in 09 was treated as a medical event just passed on yeah sorry goes goes further back the hippies woodstock occurred during the middle of a worldwide pandemic called the asian flu i guess you could call it then that it wasn't racist um (laughs) Yeah, they changed 1968, it. they had this Asian flu, and it infected like a million, like something like over 100 million Americans, killed a lot of people. Uh, if they measured the stats the same way back then as they did now, I'm sure that oh, yeah. because they could always say, oh, the death would. No, nah, but if you would have measured the same. So it was this big thing that was occurring. Then Woodstock was in 1969. And so, so these guys in Alabama, this an economic libertarian economic outfit I follow, Jeffrey Tucker, shout out to them, uh, the American <laughs> Economic Institute for Research. Where are they out of? next to auburn okay um so i think in in auburn alabama i think so cool outfit jeffrey tucker runs i think but anyway so he he started pushing back he's he's one of these intellectual just pushing the anarcho-capitalism almost really even beyond libertarian but he started their research outfit and he started he put together this article pretty quick like in april or may of historical examples the woodstock and he was like pointing out that this this a concert occurred of course, the Washington Post, so people tried to fact check it, tried to get, and it's like, uh, no, it held up. Furthermore, he kept digging. And now, the, So he actually compared the numbers and made it kind of add up to what we're looking at now. Well, if you factored them the same way he, he, as no, we did no, coronavirus. No, he didn't try to do that. He was just oh. pointing, at this case, the, it was still early, and so we didn't have the death numbers. So is yeah, whatever. His, his point is, hey, there's historical context for society still moving forward uh-huh. in the midst of a pandemic. Right. Here's one called Woodstock. You might have heard of it. <laughs> yeah. And then as the fact checkers that couldn't really grab on anything, it was basically, you know, it was one of these things that had been tagged and it was kind of like mostly true, uh-huh. you know, this kind of deal. As as it, uh, he kept developing it and looking into it, he actually got even more um, evidence on the side of people being smarter back then. <laughs> Let me... He found, as he kept looking into it, it wasn't like, because, you know, one thing you could say was, well, maybe they didn't know. Maybe they were ignorant. Yeah. Right? And so and that's what I'm getting is here. He found out that, no, there was actually, he found newspaper articles from L.A. Times back in 1969 covering Woodstock reporting about them them bringing up some more doctors up up to the event. And these reporters asked him, hey, you know, what's this all about? You know, some kind of problem or whatever. And Michael Lang, who just died recently, the organizer, um, like a couple weeks ago. Um, he had said no. It's it's because of the the pandemic. Now let me let me cut to the chase. The point is, and what Jeffrey Tucker, why he's pointing this out in the article is, here are some hippies running a business event that treated they weren't ignorant. They knew there was a pandemic, but they treated it as a medical situation, not yeah. a political situation. Right. They did the common sense thing. They weren't stupid. They go, oh, there's a pandemic. Let me hire some more medical stuff to come up. And it's does any and does anyone I've watched the Woodstock documentaries. I don't remember them talking about a fucking flu. Or, yeah, I yeah. Remember, there's other stuff you can talk about the problems, but I don't remember like you know the flu outbreak. You know people dying in New York for right. the rest of the year from the flu. Like yeah. no. And so his whole point is if you leave humans to treat 
just arm them with the information as best you can or let them gather the information just fucking let them gather the information as best they can they will make they generally make the right decision yeah and Woodstock was an example and he kept going back like during the 50s during the hayride days with Elvis there was another pandemic I mean these things happen it's just now yeah. we've, we've got so much technological tools we can I mean, we know we're going to be another one. There's going to be another one here pretty soon. There's, there's got to be. Who said never waste a good crisis? Right. Isn't that Rahm Emanuel? I have no idea. But it, it, I hear people repeat that whenever we talk about why is this such a popular thing? Why is it occupying every inch of uh, mainstream media? Because you never waste a good crisis. Right, right. And yeah, you yeah, can push away. a lot of cl- uh, political agenda, and it's disgusting that it's happening like that. But... Uh, you know, I I hope that some of this eventually I, they'll they'll never stop writing documentaries about this. This is gonna be like the Titanic, you know, <laughs> or uh, World War II or World the War Holocaust say, or yeah, whatever. They're gonna stop. continue to talk about this stuff. And it, it twenty years from now, whenever we hear a documentary, and it's gonna be like the new documentary, new information. They're gonna right. they're gonna have so much confusing shit in there. We're gonna go. You, you know, we were just as confused back then as this asshole is here 20 years ago because nobody really knows what the fuck's going on. So Yeah, yeah I, you know, and it is unfortunate that I think some of the, cons- the conservative-leaning stuff, they tend to go down the conspiracy route. I don't even know. Maybe just they don't even necessarily believe that, but it's just easy to sort of do it. But it's like, I think it's worse than that because if it was just a conspiracy, you could like root out the conspirators. But the sad thing is part of our society, like we're a weak society. I think I said this last podcast, like we're all, obviously we're not farmers anymore. (laughs) When 90% of the society or plus was farmers, I think we're a little stronger. That's just me. Oh yeah. Um, Outside all day working, getting exercise. So so it's very easy. I think we can all agree. Hopefully it's not a controversial, like we're becoming a little weaker. um, and, And with that become, you know, we're just so much, I think, I don't know. If you told someone 150 years ago that you know you had to shut down the society because some people were catching a fever on something, they just think that they wouldn't even know how to. You'd have never. Built, I don't know. Maybe they would have. They would. Oh, that sounds like some shit from the Spanish Inquisition. You'd, didn't, you'd have never built the railroad. Everybody right, right. was dropping dead from the fever. Right. While right. they're building America's right, initial right. infrastructure. Right. <laughs> and then it's always bad for me to say like I shouldn't say no. They look at you crazy. It's like actually because then you know maybe they would know like yeah that's that's. We have so many cases in our history where the like the government, the yeah. people that are in, in running the laws, have made just horrendous decisions, and we just I don't know. The thing to me that really gets me to, to me is like the the biggest indicator of all this is the kids. What's happening to the school? The kids. I don't even fucking oh, have kids. That's I, something I've organized my life to avoid kids <laughs> yeah. as much as possible, unless their parents pay me to send them to my camp, and I can't stand it because it's like. If they'll do that to kids, I I'm, I actually do care about them. Like I'm, I don't know, you're supposed to like care about people that can't even defend themselves. I have to see these kids that cannot defend themselves having to wear face diapers. That's bad enough. Like I actually do care about that. I'm surprised more people don't. And then it's like, can you not see where that would be leading to? You're raising. You do realize these are the the people in charge of us as yeah. we get older. Yeah. Like you're raising them. You're to raising do this. lemmings. Exactly. What yeah. do you think they're gonna? You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm also troubled by that. But that guy from 150 years ago, he would look at you like you're crazy. You know why? You think so? Oh, yeah. You know why? Because you'd be a time traveler. You're going to be like, dressed you, like that. What are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing He's here? He's going to be starving. You're going to be like, when's lunch? You know? <laughs> well, uh, so over the last hour and 14 minutes, we've talked about a runaway government and uh, the absolute absurdity of coronavirus. But at the end of the day, 
two people sitting here in front of microphones. What can we do on an individual level just to kind of live our lives in a way that represents what you're talking about? I like the living doc, on I your like own the two real, feet. I like the medical motto, their first line of the medical creed, first do no harm. I think that's the best starting point. Um, similar to the infantry deal of always be uh, improving your position. Yeah. And so what I mean by that, uh, well, first do no, do no harm, right? I mean, don't indulge. Like, I just think there's too many people indulge it and I know it's easy for me to say, but it's actually, um, I think, still correct. <laughs> um, and I say it's easy for me to say because I have my own business. I'm not worried about a boss firing me, although I, you know, I guess I'm worried about being canceled online. But uh, So I do understand that there's people that have like an employment situation where this is different. I get that. But I'm just saying you, you have to seek out. To answer your question, my honest opinion is how to fight back is to look for ways to not indulge. If that means taking it down more than you're supposed to and just seeing how far you can push it, okay, that's a way. If it means speaking up in the right way, in the right manner at a company hands-on meeting, then do it. Fucking be the example. You know, there's too many people that are indulging. Don't even get me started on, I mean, there's plenty of people where that doesn't play that it's just more of the convenience stuff. That's even, to me, more pathetic. Well, yeah. I, it's easy. I, I gotta fly. Uh-huh. Look, and I, I know it sounds... I get how it come across. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm tired. When I, I mean, I've almost been blown up and, you know, and, and I've seen people blown up and I've seen like, you know, there's plenty of people besides me that have in the meat grinder of history gone away. So I'm just kind of, I don't care too much about what, what it sounds like. I'm just saying it is correct though, to, to understand that, that it's, it's insane. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but uh, yeah. I get what you're saying though. You, in, in order to make a individual difference, you, you got to take advantage of the small opportunities. If you're sitting in a corporate meeting and somebody says something that you disagree with, that's your moment to raise your hand and actually say something. Be right, represented. Right. Make sure that your idea is represented. Right, right. Yeah, and, and like I said, the, the convenience thing, it, to me, is a little more pathetic, but it's more insidious. If Well, you'll do it to, to, like, to be able to fly here. Well, to go over to Disney World, don't, don't you love your kids? You want them to see, you know, the Disney World. Got to do it. And so there's a convenience thing that <laughs> yeah. will, will keep it going. Um, uh, not good. Yeah. yeah. So I think to me, how you could change it is looking for ways to go, well, I don't need to do that. I'm just indulging them if I do that. And that, I, I mean, at this point, I don't, uh, I don't think armed rebellion is in the cards. No. I just don't think it's happening. I mean, people over over glamorize that stuff anyway. I, I'd be, I mean, I would be the first one cheering on some of that stuff in, in a sense but I mean like like the French resistance you know for example a lot of it's fictional like it's you know <laughs> it wasn't a bunch of people running around with Uzis I mean it was like people taking notes and doing logistics and helping to get the right supplies of, of different sorts and it was a lot of information actually just taking notes and observing things um, so I think uh, the armed rebellion way it, it's not going to happen it's more the, the passive way and the peaceful stuff honestly as someone as as militaristically aggressive as I am, I think just peacefully not indulging, not con- not participating in this stuff. I, I can't think of any other way. I, and, uh, um, and I think uh, cartoons, historically speaking, also kind of work. You brought that up earlier, and I was dying the to tell you about this. You know, the uh, uh, have you ever seen some of the suitor work by Abraham Lincoln? By Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, no, cartoonatures no, no, no. and things like that. But he would he would write the newspaper, and I don't know how much of it was actually illustrations, 
but to your point, he would write in on a political issues under a pseudonym. Okay, I think I've heard of that. And yeah, I mean, yeah. that I there are books on this, and the content that he was pumping out was just, it was hilarious and on the nose. And, uh, you know, he was addressing things that he couldn't necessarily say from his position, from his seat, but he right. could definitely well, I think the fact that get the message around. If they around. ban memes, I think that's a good indicator that they're effective. You get the biggest flack over the target. I mean, and if you just, again, you look at history, the revolution was spread with pamphlets at pubs, people drinking beer and spreading pamphlets and cartoons. The the Dutch Revolution, again, I look people should know more about that, just with insane shit that they were revolting against. Um, and, and people that agreed religiously but still recognized just how you can't force this on other people. But anyway, back then, cartoons, just making fun of just 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 like, you know, the emperor has no clothes kind of deal. And that's the same mm. same kind of region actually where that story came from. Just mocking it. Not indul- I'm not going to indulge in your insanity. I'm not going to recognize you. Uh, same thing going back to ancient Rome. They talk about graffiti. That was a pretty common way of getting the message across. I mean, you call it. We call it memes now, but people just writing funny shit and making fun of people. Yeah. So I think it's like it sounds kind of weird, but it's like I don't know if like everybody you knew in your personal life and everybody and I knew in my personal life and all our friends were all on social media saying you know mock. <laughs> saying choice words about certain things you don't think that'd have an effect i mean it it does actually it turns out but you know but i get it it's we don't know we're it's such a new age too dealing with all this stuff it's you can't be operating like that you're also seen as kind of flippant you know (laughs) yeah um or like monkeys running your uh, your thing uh i'm not gonna say it i'm trying to think of the letters uh if you uh what what is (laughs) it uh way to go brandon or something like that let's go brandon that that's something right there kind of to your point i feel like the american populace has kind of trashed internationally biden's image by all the just we we take these videos and we send them over the the facebook or the instagram or whatever and it hits an international audience there are people uh on foreign news networks talking about biden losing his mind and that's all from memes and yeah they're gonna do that yeah (laughs) little videos and things like that it definitely has an impact we're just living a flat world you know in a a sense that old phrase or you know wait wait a minute you're not a flat earther are you flat earth oh shit right (laughs) right um we just live in a very a flat media, you know, scene here where everything spreads. You know, everything, every you, know, you can be in in Burma and and have a be up to date on pop culture. You know, DC oh, yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. LA. Yeah. I mean, it's very that's a new. Thing. Our world's a lot smaller. That's a very new thing. Yeah, that's so fucking new. Um, so the idea that they're yeah, I mean, um, at this part though, I don't, I don't know people. Like I, I, as a as a, someone that pays money to the government, I don't give a fuck what the kid over in another part of the world thinks about Joe Biden and all this stuff. Yeah, um, or what they think about Trump and all this stuff. How does how do, you know? Because they say those too about Trump. You know, how does this? How do you think people in Germany feel? Like I don't know, man. I live there and <laughs> I don't care. Like they, and, and they don't really don't shit care either. about it either. Yeah. They really actually don't give that much of a shit. They're going to tell you. Of course, they'll tell you opinion, but. They don't go around and think about it yeah. either, man. The only way, the only reason I brought it up was just to to illustrate the the meme thing. It, yeah, it, no, it, it definitely has an impact. For yeah. sure, for yeah. sure, for sure. So I'm a big believer in memes. Fine with the memes. There's old meme of the meme war. It was like the big, it was called the great meme war of 2016. It's got, you know, like when they list a battle on Wikipedia and like the two sides, <laughs> like the participants and casualties. Oh my God. I gotta see I that. Say, it's, it's a fucking hysterical. That is funny. You know, before before memes, it was uh, Shitterhouse Walls. I remember 05 walking into porta potties and it was Floor to ceiling, Chuck Norris jokes. 
Right, right, right. Remember that? Right. I remember, <laughs> do you remember the Dane Carl? Uh, I mean, uh, Dane Cook. Oh yeah, what happened He's to that fucker? About about uh, things. He was like, oh man, you ever go in a public restroom? Yeah, it's uh, it's like the most vile shit. Yeah, pretty pretty wild stuff. Dane Cook sucks. Uh, can't believe he got so popular. <laughs> you know, looking back on stuff like that, like I'm I'm a big. You mentioned George Carlin earlier. That those old comedians. That's that's where I go to get the he good was content too, now. I mean, was he? Yeah. That are you sure um, that hippie I mean, bastard was a vet? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That is surprising. He had a bit like back in the fifties where he was like, if the Indians had to do a inspection or something, uh, you know. Uh, you Late. could tell he knew he was playing off his army days. Like an so. inventory. Yeah, that kind of Equipment weird stuff. Layout. It's kind of corny now when you watch it, but, you know, <laughs> you can see uh, it's a little avant-garde. That dude, I mean, he's a vet. you know, the the, uh, the mentality and the, the, you know, when you start comparing different political uh, affiliations, you know, you got your conservatives and your uh, liberals, and, and then George Carlin was extremely liberal. But to hear him talk about the government... That that that's right. something there's that some common ground there. Everybody could get on board with. I there's mean, some common ground. <laughs> like I love I, uh, George Carlin. I would maybe like a Tulsa Gabbard. You mentioned her before. I've listened to quite a bit of her talk. Uh-huh. I, I'm glad you mentioned it because I was going to say the economics is where it just all falls apart. Like yeah. I think they have a very sophomoric idea of what economics is, what capitalism. Is. A lot of people, capitalism, they think it's some kind of ideology, and that's. It's, it's sad because, no, it's not. Socialism is an ideology. Socialism is idea that we should, you know, have be equal and have equal outcomes and all this right, shit right. and socialize all yeah. our costs and, and all this stuff. Capitalism, if it's an ideology at all, all it is is the ideology of saying you should be able to have laws that protect my capital. Yeah. And I've heard, to me, the best explanation of what capitalism is, it's just something people do. If I have some money and you have some money and we want to go launch a ship go somewhere and get some goods and come back and sell it that's called pulling our capital together and splitting the results of that and as much as capitalism is an ideology it is to the extent that it's it's laws that protect that transaction and that property yeah that's not and and and, and i've heard socialists bring this up because because they'll say hey even in so like communist worlds like china you have pocket like the biggest success is where they allow capitalism because mm-hmm. it's not an ideology it's just something people do even in the middle of fucking communist china or yeah. wherever pick a spot they're doing capitalism yeah <laughs> it's not an ideology and yeah. so i think that's where conservatives go wrong sometimes where they indulge in that it's a false debate it's it's not yeah. it's, it's not it's not an ideology man yeah it's it just doesn't belong saying, hey let me protect my capital doesn't belong in that argument yeah it doesn't it doesn't i think that i think tulsa gabbard and the reason i talk about it, she's kind of like a poster job for the soft sort of underbelly of some of that like they just haven't thought some of that through i, I heard talk and it's like i just hear red star clusters after yeah. another you know going well it's out. every one of them every right. damn one of them and right. i i still am of the opinion that you know the entire election process for this last go around there was not a single qualified candidate on those stages now if you were going to put a gun to my head and make me pick one it would have been tulsi but yeah no, no, no i can agree they with all that. have yeah, the red she wasn't flags. no i agree all with that. she was definitely not as crazy <laughs> i agree with that and she was more yeah she was actually against the some of the woke stuff and which, she's gorgeous i'm sorry yeah, she looked bad <laughs> yeah. and i i uh I'm I'm just a a friend of mine sent me a meme today talking about uh, we're just talking about memes um, people that claim to be free minded but all listen to the same podcast and then it had something about like a bunch of people like they just look like drooling idiots and they all listen to the Joe Rogan podcast and the reason he sent it to me is because I'm always listening to the Joe Rogan podcast but Tulsi had came on that show and she mm-hmm. talked for 
fucking three hours. Yeah, yeah. By the time it was all over, I felt like I was Tulsi's friend. So, uh. she's uh, she's <laughs> soft on the eyes. Yeah, yeah. She's she's Easy nice. She's intelligent. You know, she served uh, to what extent I don't really know, but she's uh, in my um. Yeah, I knew she had an office job, but she's MI officer or uh, MI enlisted. She was enlisted. No, she was no, she's. I amazing. did not know that she yeah, was enlisted. I can't. I get the order mixed up. She was one MOS enlisted, and I think she's MI officer. Well, way now. to go! Now I like her more. She did yeah, both. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's the the progression. I think everybody should have to suck as as a enlisted up to E four before they go to brass. Yeah, I actually agree with you. Um, I I didn't so much like the the. My experience with some of the a lot of officers that had been enlisted before, then twist over, I don't so much like. But if the whole system from the start was that, right. it would be different. Yeah. Uh, well, because your your guys that were enlisted before probably pushed that around like there's somebody special. Right? It's just weird, and it's not all the case. <laughs> Actually, there's some that are good, great. Um, I mean, hell, General Mattis was enlisted, um, but uh, but in general, I didn't have a good aspect for him. I, I had experience with them, and it really uh, but, just but, takes but, but one, I think, right? like I said, if it was a different. Uh, if it was from the start, everybody had like the German system and the Israeli system. From my best understanding, they're like that. You have to be enlisted and you qualify for officer school, or you don't, and you yeah. go through. That's a different system. Yeah. I actually would agree with that. I, I really like I the Israeli be, system, though. I mean, the fact that everybody has to serve. What is it? Two, three years? Yeah, I think so. Necessity is the mother Beautiful. of all. Sure. Something. Oh, and and you know, iron sharpens iron. But the the way that they're you know they're surrounded by enemies on every side. Have you been and, there? No, I'm just obsessed with Israel. Yeah, I, I, went, I need I went, to go. I, I went there. Yeah, there, there's people with guns everywhere, and oh, I yeah. loved it. Like yeah. in our hotel, there's and we stayed in the old city, like right in the Muslim quarter, uh-huh. and uh, like armed guards at the thing. It's, it's kind hot of a nice there, place, man. but it's I liked hot. it. Yeah, um, yeah they're constantly cool. dealing with shit. So they've got incredible tech. They've got great technique uh, tactics. You know the, yeah. the way they run their military. The, the their society as a whole is better because people, everybody has to serve. And I, 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 I know it wouldn't work here, but I liked God, it. Damn, yeah, it, it, I liked it makes it. for some patriotism. I liked it. I don't think long term it would be for me. I liked it, but I'll tell you why. Long term, kind of like with Singapore, um, at first glance, yeah, a lot of stuff. But like, they're also kind of they have an authoritarian streak. Like, look at the COVID yeah. stuff. This they're not friendly to this. They shut it down, right? Well, they're doing a lot of weird vax stuff. I mean, it's not any better over there. I'm saying, like, yeah. and when you're that small, you can actually even be more. Oh, sure. Or tearing it in some ways. So, um, no, I like them on the whole. I had a good time there, and I think I, I, I don't mind spending a few pennies on my tax bill to have an outpost in the in the Levant. That's basically what we pay for. Yeah. <laughs> so we have an outpost in the in the Holy Land. Um, I don't mind. We pay for worse shit than that, I guess. Yeah. Um, but but I've I think, you know, it. also with Singapore, like, I think if I tried to live in Singapore, I would be in jail. I mean, you well, know, why would you uh, spit on the wrong sidewalk. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's no, I'm, I'm not. No, no, I know. It's very like, well, and, and like you were talking about pe- the wrong thing. People need Whoa. to people need to get out and see the world a little bit so that they can appreciate what we have here. Because like you're talking about spitting on the street could get your head cut off in the right, wrong place. Right. Yeah. Or wearing you're not, you're not wearing your Batman suit the right way. And, or and, or showing uh, the sole of your shoe or. Right. Yeah. The walls, I thought, was an interesting thing with Trump. That was obviously a big deal for for several years. I guess it still is with the walls. But it's like, if you travel the world, most of the rest of the world is not just walls on the border, which they do have hard borders, a lot of them. It's walls everywhere. It's walls everywhere. Like houses. Most places, Uh I'm guessing here, I would say 70% of the world are places where it's pretty normal to have fucking walls, even at the mm-hmm. residential level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then in our society, it's like the idea of just having a wall to, 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 to shore up an already uh, agreed-upon border. 
Uh, no, that's 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 the same as the Berlin Wall. <laughs> yeah, you're out of your and, mind. And it's like the ass you're backwards. Out of your mind. But no, well. I do have a lot of friends that have been down to like the border area, and um, I lived there for two years. A, a good point. Well, then maybe you can uh, I can stare comment on this, but the the yeah. terrain down there uh, almost entirely stands up as a border wall itself. There, mm. there, there's tons of there's hundreds of miles of area that need a border, but there's also a yeah. shit ton of land that's covered sure. by sure. natural yeah, yeah. borders. Sure. So uh, anyway, Texas but, is picking up that flag. You know, we but like we right, in, but even like right in at El Paso. I mean, there's literally spot where you could just walk right across. It's not there's no wall there, nothing. And yeah, there's guys there. I mean, but it's like. I don't know. It's I don't. It's it's a very weird situation. Uh, we have a border, but you can't put a wall there. It's like, dude, I've done security before. I'm telling you, walls fucking work. Mm-hmm. They're not. Ma- <laughs> and oh, they go. Oh well, they don't. St-. No one is saying they're magic. Yeah, I'm not remotely suggesting you could have a wall and then just leave it, dude, bro. I'm done. That's not how security works either. I'm just <laughs> saying, if you have a bunch of dudes pulling security, it's a lot harder if you don't put a wall in front. I mean, it's just. Did you know our governor went so and picked up those panels is, is now putting the wall together? I've heard stuff like that, yeah. I, I don't guess. know how successful he's been. The Fed is actually pushing back hard on it. Like, yeah. you can't do that. Like, fuck yeah, you. I'll it's all some of the, Yeah, yeah. Last thing I'll leave you with is, uh, um, I don't want to sit here and talk about all this stuff too much to you, but... No, I appreciate you being here, and um, I'm, I'm actually a little flattered that you wanted to come I just back wanted so to, quick. <laughs> I wanted to follow up just because, like I said, with Jake, I didn't yeah. want to ruin his time and right, step right, all of that, yeah. and while it was still hot in the hot in the fire thought I'd come back over but um my wife teaches english at tcu and okay as a talk about you know there's different ways to teach english you know having write about different things philosophy or whatever <laughs> films you know british lit type stuff it all kind of falls under english uh now some of the woke teachers they've gone to write you know they have them write about their their truths and this kind of stuff Kristen's tried to make it more like a policy memo or something a little more because she's not she was on she was for trump before i was uh. but um anyway she got me onto this idea she something she would teach her classes about the uh some french philosophers back in the 70s popularized this i'm sure people have talked about it for a while but uh it's just becoming a little more acute in our modern world is this uh the symbol over the sim the, the symbol symbolized <laughs> we're obsessed with the symbol the symbology more than the actual thing that's being symbolized the headline over the story. Exactly. Uh, so we sit in here and talk about COVID ad nauseum all, all you know, for hours, the, the sort of political ideology of it, the symbology of what's going on. We didn't really spend much time talking about, I mean, maybe we did a little of the data. A little bit. We touched on but it, yeah. We touched on it, but like, there's actually quite a bit, in, you know, and I've kind of gotten into that too and, and dug it, but we, we don't do that. You know, some of these philosophers, as it went on, they would point to like the Gulf War, wasn't it? the first one, and then the 90s was an example like, it was like he called it like the war that didn't happen in a way because it's like Gulf War, right? Because yeah. he's like, and I was I, I actually followed that quite a bit back then. I'm as a kid in fifth grade writing on my calendar all the days we're at war and stuff, huh. um, Patriot missile launches and stuff. Um, he, his point was, and I think he's right. Like if we were obsessed with the symbology of it, the symbology of victory and Norman Storm and Norman Schwarzkopf. They had trading cards, you know. I have these little cards. Oh and, shit! Oh yeah. You uh, still got them? Oh yeah. Nice. In my house somewhere, at my parents' house. Uh, you know, Bush. You know, president and all this stuff, and senior. And he, the philosopher was making the point: like we're obsessed with the symbology of it over the, the technical. Like no, most Americans, they couldn't tell you anything about the actual ground operations, or uh-huh. um, it was relatively. Not that it wasn't a hard-fought battle, but I mean, it's 
in in hell and it was a big army too it was like the fourth biggest but it's like this was not this was not you know high stakes fighting you know the nazis or uh hell i don't even think you know the struggle of vietnam that was a oh. they're a multi-year struggle. this yeah. was a to me in a way it was almost like hey we did all this stuff in germany and and, and set up for the cold war and we never actually executed mm-hmm. <laughs> if all yeah. these tank divisions tank regiments and uh, mechanized forces that we never actually got to do it <laughs> here's a chance to go do it i'm not saying it's like that nefarious but like the incentives like well got all this force here let's just you know <laughs> Um, we do we do all this for nothing. Point, but his point was like the details. Like it's actually it wasn't that it was this this thing that you've symbol the symbology has made it out to be this patriotic victory over this industrialized force. Right. It, no, it wasn't. It was a fucking. It was a way for us to go exercise a lot of stuff and use some new toys. And yes, there was some fighting, but it wasn't this. Right. And, and, and the reason there's and he's saying there's just a, a, such a, a gulf between like people's interest in the actual thing versus like no they're more mesmerized by the symbology of it so i don't know you can see that in many domains i think that's to me i see that with the covid like we just all the trappings of it and like most people like they can't tell you the details of it and you know i guess that's problematic we need more free thinkers and we need more uh more love and gratitude that's it that's what we need yeah at least we have all the answers all of them every single one of them (laughs) Man, thank you for being on the show. And sure. uh, this this was a quick turnaround, but you're you're always welcome back. I'll wait a while. I'll see what else you got, but uh, I don't want to bore you to death. But no, you're not I, boring it's, me. It's been a pleasure. You're uh, not boring me, uh, especially you're so close. So. Yeah, yeah. And you're what, 15 minutes away? It's gonna be like 20, even with the what's the bad though, bad the roads? How yeah. bad were the roads? It's starting to get a little weird, but <laughs> not too bad. well, hopefully you're not iced in here. Yeah, so we got a uh, cut. I think it'll be fine. <laughs> All right, bro. I'm gonna hit the music, and then uh, we'll see you in a week or so. Sweet. All right. You want you want me to come back in a week? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For real. A huge thank you to our guest today, Dustin Stewart, for being a part of Fort Worth Roots and coming back on the show. I'm serious. Like, as soon as we got done with the first episode, he's hitting me up asking if uh, we could do another one. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. So we went off the rails a little bit. Uh, Most of the time when we do one of these shows, it's about something that the individual is working on or, you know, their past or whatever. Anyway, this felt a little non-typical. You know, we're we're talking about governments and the COVID and all this stuff and I try so hard to get away from that stuff because we hear about it everywhere. But it's the life that we're living. It's it's our reality. So uh, you can't avoid it forever. And it uh, it was a good conversation. So, Dustin, thank you for being on the show. And uh, don't forget to check out Squad STX, uh, Boys Camping. That's squadstx.com. Do something for the kiddo. Score some points with mama. Take your kid out and do something that they're never going to forget. Squadstx.com. And that that's not their... That's not their headline. I made that up. But it actually sounds like a a scripted headline. So, uh, no royalties. Dustin, if you want to use that, go right ahead. (laughs) Uh, Our event. Oh, I've got notes. I've got notes this week. Mayor Pro Tim of River Oaks, Texas, Darren Houck, and now a great friend of the show. Him and his family have been so supportive of Fort Worth Roots. I I tell people all the time, if you've listened to any of these episodes, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. You can email me at media at Fort Worth Roots. Is that even right? Media at fortworthroots.com. 
and let me know what you think about the show. Tell me something I missed. And that's exactly what Darren did. He hit me up and he told me, and this is regarding our last episode. We did episode 66 with uh, Dustin and Jake. Um, from Darren, FYI, yes, Friday night, 429, we'll be at Grumps, 5300 River Oaks Boulevard. Now, this is the day before the event that I've been squawking about for weeks now. Saturday, April 30th, uh, we're going to have the River Oaks Spring Fest Car Show. Well, the day before that, that's uh, April 29th, that's going to be at Grumps, 5300 River Oaks Boulevard. Crews will leave at 7 p.m. and police will escort the classic cars around River Oaks. This is all to kind of, one, do something for the city, but also highlight the next day's event, uh, which is Saturday, April 30th at the YMCA Camp Carter Ground, 6200 Sand Springs, zip code 76114, and that's going from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's benefiting the Friends of the River Oaks Animal Shelter and YMCA Camp Garter. So there's two ways to do this. If uh, Saturday just doesn't work out for you, you can do Friday night, 7 p.m. Either way, mark it on your calendars and uh, come out and support Darren and the River Oaks Spring Fest Car Show and the Friends of River Oaks Animal Shelter and the Fort Worth Roots Podcast. We'd love to see you there. We're going to be hanging out uh, all day Saturday. We'll have a little area set up, banner out. You can come by, take pictures with us and all that good stuff. I'm going to be handing out some stuff, allegedly. I don't know what yet. But uh, you, you'll you'll find out when you get there. <laughs> How about that? Um, yeah. So Darren updated us on that, and then he also sent me a note. Uh, FYI, you also spoke of Lola's. Your buddy asked about Thursday nights at Lola's. Uh, Thursday night is a blues jams night. They have a fixed band called the Playtunes. Excuse me, Playtones. They then invite a different guest each week who plays the first set. The second set, they let people get up and jam with the band one at a time. This is also known as the Keys Night. Uh, excuse me. This is also known as the Keys Night because the Keys Lounge was one of the biggest blues clubs in DFW. They had the longest running jam night on Thursdays, like 30 years. Uh, during COVID, they started doing it outside at Lola's during the time you could play outside but not open indoors. The Keys did not survive COVID. So the jam moved to Lola's. The keyboard player for the play tunes, excuse me, play tones, was the owner of the Keys Lounge. A little bit of local music history that will soon be forgotten. Well, not now, Darren, because we got it on recording. Tomorrow night's jam with feature Charlie Bassam as a guest host. He is my friend who is playing at Springfest. Sweet. So now you know a little more, and now you got some music history. And just to reiterate one more time, this was a bonus episode. I don't want anybody getting it in their heads that Thursdays is a new release date because it's not. We are not going to be doing these every Thursday. The schedule for Fort Worth Roots podcast is every single Monday. I am not ready to start doing two episodes a week yet. I promise. <laughs> and I wanted to take a quick opportunity just to tell you a few of the cool places that popped up on the analytics. We still got people listening in Budapest, which I always think is cool. Dubai. Dubai is over there in the uh, UAE. Oh, shit. Here's This one's difficult for my uh, ignorant tongue to pronounce. Panchakula. I believe that's in India. Panchakula. Kolkata. I think I, I think I got that one right. They've said that enough in movies that it just kind of rolled off my tongue. Chania. Uh, I think all three of those are in India. And in Africa. We got three people this week that listened to us in Africa. A place called Kwani. 
those are just a few of the interesting places that popped up, some of the non-typical ones. Um, we have an analytic map that shows us every single time you download a, even one episode, whenever you stream it or whatever. And if you're listening in a really weird place and you're like, I don't know why he never says anything about the weird place I'm listening to the podcast in, um, sometimes whenever you log into your server, it will show up as a different place. So if you're using a VPN or if wherever you're at uses somebody else's server, uh, rather than the local server, then there's a chance that your stuff shows up as a different place on the map. But we do appreciate it. Every single episode that you stream strengthens our show. Um, so thank you. And feel free to contact me anytime. Let me know about your little corner of the world. Uh, it would be absolutely wonderful to hear from the folks over in Budapest or Chania or Calcutta or, I'm going to try it again, Pan... Chakula, Panchakula. If you say it faster, it kind of hides the parts that you mess up, maybe. And Kawani, down in Africa. Or, uh, I think that's right. Send us a picture of your hometown or something, and that would be awesome. <laughs> I don't know. It'd just be cool to hear from you. So, all right, folks. That is it for me today. Please mark on your calendars. April 30th, River Oak Spring Fest Car Show. Darren Hout. Thank you again for messaging me and uh, updating me on informations. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for me. That's two episodes you get this week. Next week will be your standard uh, Monday episode, I believe. I don't know. We'll see. Hope you guys are having a wonderful week. I will talk to you Monday. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.